0: Christmas season. Now, obviously, it depends on which faith. I think I don't know if it's Orthodox Catholics. There is one group of Christians that um, once you celebrate Christmas, then the like the next you know twenty days of Christmas begins, or twelve days of Christmas, and then they begin to celebrate. But most of us, the tradition is we get to Christmas, and then we've had enough of the Christmas decor. Right? You're like, take the tree down. We're done. But I thought we would just kind of wrap up the Christmas season with the the rest of the Christmas story that sometimes we don't always hear or take the time to look at. And that was eight days after Christmas, which it's been about eight days since Christmas, hasn't it? I think so. I think I looked at the calendar, and I think it's been eight days. So we're going to read about how Jesus, what happened to him as a Jewish baby eight days after Christmas. Some of you men know, and you're probably going to be crossing your legs, not wanting to think about it, but we won't go into the gory details. But we will read the account. What's interesting, though, is that his parents made the decision to bring Jesus to the temple, and what they would do is they would circumcise the baby boys at eight days, and then they, he would be dedicated to the Lord. This was something very um, important for Jewish families with their firstborn boy, they would dedicate him to the Lord, basically give him to the Lord, and then they would buy him back. So they would make an, uh, a sacrifice of either pigeons or a lamb, and they would say, like, okay, we want to dedicate this child, our firstborn, because with their crops, they would always give the first 10% the tithe. So the firstborn boy, they would tithe that. They would give that to God, and then, 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 because it was their child, they weren't allowed to leave him at the altar, you know. They would have to then bring a, bring a substitute, and so, you know, like, my baby's worth two pigeons. Well, here you go, you know. Um, it's a cultural thing. I'm just telling you what was going on here before we read it. But his parents made a decision to raise this child before they've even seen his personality, before they've even had a chance to see if he would grow up and um, and his attitude, you know, like I've had four children. I tell you what, some of them are easier to raise in the Lord, and some of them aren't, right? Some of them you're like, I don't even want to see you go to your room, right? Like, don't come out until you're 21 and you're ready to like do a good job with life. And that doesn't—it's not practical. I'm just saying, sometimes you think that. But what's interesting is these parents made this decision before they even knew how hard or difficult it was going to be. And sometimes in life, we have to make decisions, right? We have to make difficult decisions. I think it's interesting that, you know, it's eight days later and we just had New Year's Eve. And um, lots of people do, like, New Year's resolutions. I don't know about you. I'm in my 40s, and I have come to the conclusion that doesn't matter what I resolve to do. I usually don't. Like it lasts, I don't know if I've ever made a New Year's resolution that's lasted through the month of January. So I, don't, I didn't make really any this year. I mean, I thought, oh, I should eat less candy and drink less Coke Zero. You know, we'll see how long that lasts. It probably won't last through the end of the month, but it's not really a New Year's resolution. I'm not resolved to do this because I know I'm... Probably gonna still grab a diet coke the next time I go out to McDonald's, right? Because I don't like their water. I'm like, that's why I always get to. I'm like, well, what else am I gonna drink? I don't like their water. So, the question then becomes: When should we resolve to do something? What things are really important in our lives that we will actually follow through and do for more than a month? When we do make decisions, oh, there's always the unknown, right? What if I change my mind, right? What if other people tell me this is a bad idea, right? What if it's not a good decision, right? What if it's really hard, right? Like what happens when I'm at McDonald's and I really want a Diet Coke, you know? Like that's going to be really hard, right? Obviously that's hopefully not like a super hard decision, but... The question remains, what do we do when we have difficult decisions? Like I said, his parents made a decision when he was a baby on how they were going to raise them. And that's a decision we're going to read about. But the children of Israel had had lots of moments when they had to make hard decisions, okay? So it all started for them as a community of believers, all together as one group, when they left Egypt, Most of you might remember that story, or maybe you've seen The Prince of Egypt, the cartoons we have on TV, where all of the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt because of a decision that had happened 100 years earlier to go there during a famine. And so these Jewish people had always kept themselves apart from the Egyptian community. They hadn't intermarried, so they were persecuted because they were a totally different subgroup of people, and they were turned into slaves eventually. So Moses comes along, and he stands up for them and goes to the Pharaoh and says, let my people go, and through miraculous happenings, right, the plagues that came upon Egypt, they were eventually let go, right, and that's where we get the Passover lamb because that was the last plague had come through, and it passed over the Jewish people because they were God's chosen people. And so Moses leads them all out. And for 40 years, they wander around, and all the older people were kind of stuck in their ways of what they had learned in Egypt. And what did they learn in Egypt? They learned in Egypt that there was all kinds of gods that the Egyptian people worshipped. So even though they knew that their Jehovah, their Jewish God, is the one that saved them, but maybe there's these other gods. And they would always complain and grumble against Moses. So what happens is we see a whole generation of people slowly dying off, all right? And what you have left are the younger generation. You have everybody who is about 20, 25 and under left who they have never set foot in Egypt. They don't know what Egypt was like because in the last 40 years they were born and they just know about this Jehovah that they've been worshiping and that saved them. Okay? So Moses dies and now we have Joshua in charge and Joshua finally gets the people to the edge of the promised land that they're about to enter. And he tells this younger generation, he says, look, you guys all have a decision to make. All right, let's read about it. It's here in Joshua chapter 24, starts in verse 14. Joshua says to these younger generation, he says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods from your ans- that your ancestors worshipped. He's not saying they worshipped it. Their ancestors, their parents, their grandparents, right? When they were little, the grandma was telling them about this God and that God. And he says, look, it's time for you young ones to make a decision. Are you going to worship the things that your ancestors worshipped? The things that brought your grandma comfort. When you were little and you had a fever and grandma says, we got to talk to so-and-so. And that brought her comfort that, that you would get, well, are you going to worship that? And he says, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in, in Egypt. And serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, the people around us, they serve a different God, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Okay, so this is a famous decision that Joshua put to the young people as they were about to begin their life as a new community. He says, look, I know you've heard about the Egyptian gods from your ancestors. That's who they worshipped. And, hey, look, I know we're in this new area, and the Amorites, the people around us, they got a different god they serve. But who are you going to serve? You have to make a decision. Now, does this really apply to us, Mary? I don't have to take my baby in eight days and dedicate him to the Lord, right? We offer... Baptism services and dedications to our children. You can make that decision to do that. It's not necessarily eight days after they're born Actually, especially in the day of COVID I'd prefer you not bring your eight-day baby to church I'll come you really want me to come and bless your baby eight days I will put a mask on I'll put some gloves on I'll come to your house, right? But we know enough about germs where we're like just keep mama in bed, (laughs) right? Keep her away from all the rest of us So what kind of decisions do we make? Most of us, once we accept Jesus, we know that we're saved. We know that we're going to go to heaven when we die. Isn't that good enough? I made a decision. I know who I believe in. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All I have to do is believe in him, Mary, and I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Yes, I can see that scripturally. But did you know that you can live here on earth with peace and with fullness and with joy? That's why I love John 10.10. Can you tell I love it? I had him put it on the wall. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. So Jesus is saying, look, you make a decision about how you live while you're here on earth. Do you want to live hell on earth until you die? Or do you want to live heaven on earth and have a full life? Those are the decisions that we make every day. Hopefully you've made the decision To believe in Jesus you know that his blood is covering you so you will go to heaven when you die but the question is is how will you live you know how you will die you will die and you will go to heaven but how will you live will you serve the way your ancestors served will you do the things that grandma taught you to do to worry instead of pray to gossip instead of reading your Bible right to, you know, drown your sorrows in addiction or fantasy or Netflix instead of facing your problems and, and working them through. I mean, those are the decisions we face. How will we live? How will we live while we're here on earth? It's easy, though, isn't it? It's always easy to do what we've been taught. It's easy to fall back into the habits and patterns. That's why I never make it through the end of January with my resolutions. Because it's hard to change my habits. It's hard to change my pattern of thinking. It's hard to do something I don't want to do. Let's just be honest. If I wanted to drink water with every meal, I wouldn't be struggling with that. I don't want to. My body doesn't want it, even though it needs it. Right? My body wants what I feel tastes better. It's hard to make a decision, a difficult decision. Whom will you serve? I I love how Joseph says to them, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I love how he says that. It's like, even if all of you decide to follow the gods of the Amorites, you guys go, me and my house, we're not. Right? It's kind of like we call that peer pressure now. Right? When you go to the party and everybody's drinking and you're like, no, I'm not. You make that decision sometimes before you even go, don't you? But how many times do we get into those scenarios and we're like, well, because somebody will be like, well, one won't hurt. Right? Well, this, well, that, you know, and we have to make that decision and we have to do what is right because it's going to affect how we live. That's the big thing. When it affects our salvation, we're like, ooh, right. If we thought every time we did something bad, we were going to go to hell, we'd live with a lot of shame, a lot of worry, a lot of doubt. But when we understand like our salvation isn't based on what we do, our salvation's based on believing in what Christ did for us. All of a sudden it changes. It's like, well, what's the, I've had people say to me, you can't preach that gospel that everybody is saved for believing in Jesus. I'm like, but that's what the Bible says. But then people are going to sin all the time. And I'm like, the sin that you do while you're here on earth, that affects your time here on earth. So, right, like, so if you choose, right, to live in addiction all the time and that affects your job and it affects your family, that earthly sin you did brings earthly pain. It affects how you live. But the reality is I go to heaven when I die because of what Christ did. If I went to heaven because I died because I was perfect all the way to the end of death, I don't know if we couldn't make it. None of us could make it. That's why Jesus came in the first place, because that's what the Jewish model was before, was live sin-free. And if you do sin, go sacrifice a lamb. Well, that wasn't good enough. People would die before the last time they sacrificed a lamb, right? And then, what are you, then you're stuck. So instead, Jesus came and says, call upon my name. And I will be with you. It would be my righteousness on you because you will never be good enough. I love how the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. So as we make a decision about how we're going to live while we're here on earth, the question is, is do we do this still under our own power? I would argue that the only time I've ever really made good decisions and good changes and good habits is when I've given it to God and I've gone to him in prayer and said, Lord, I know you told me to do this and I've tried with my own might and I've tried with my own power and I can't do it. So I'm going to have to ask you to help me. See, that's hard to ask him to help us, right? I mean, we live in a society where we think that we should be able to do it all right? Don't they call it the super mom, right? The super dad we got these superheroes, right? And they're not, they're not taking a minute and praying, oh Lord Jesus, please help me defeat Magneto man or whatever, are they? They're like, I'm strong and I'm able and I can do it. What's funny is if you really watch these series for a while, they realize they can't and then they partner up with some other superhero, you know? Well, guess what? We need to partner up. We need to partner up with somebody that's way more supernatural than we are, right? And that's God, and we ask him to help us now let 's just take a pause as we talk about these difficult decisions, and let 's talk about Mary and Joseph, right? So we just went through Christmas, we know the story. Mary and Joseph were engaged. she finds out she 's pregnant by an angel from God, and he eventually finds out about it and thinks she 's been messing around let 's just be real that 's what he thought so he's like i gotta I gotta secretly dismiss her." Because I, I can't be with her because she's, she's pregnant and I've, I haven't been with her. And so an angel has to come visit him in a dream and tell him this is from God. Mary didn't do anything wrong. Feel, please marry her, protect her, raise this child. So Joseph, who fears the Lord, of course that's why God picked this couple, believes this angel and understands now what's going on. He takes Mary. So because of the census, they, they go to Bethlehem. But on the eighth day, they were told to take your child to the temple to be circumcised. Now, I'm super excited that they were in Bethlehem and they could get there because, you know, not everybody was within walking distance of Jerusalem, could even get there in eight days, right? So because they are in Bethlehem, I looked it up. It's about a two-hour walk. Now, she just had a baby, and I know they had ridden a donkey to get into Bethlehem, so hopefully she's back up on the donkey. I don't know how it would be to ride a donkey eight days after having a baby because I've ridden a mule before, and it's not necessarily fun, but the saddles they have now might have been different but then back then. But they went from Bethlehem to Jerusalem to have baby Jesus circumcised. So we see this here in Luke chapter 2, verse 21. It says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant up in peace. What is he saying? I may now die, because I have just seen the Messiah. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. The children's, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Okay, let's stop for a minute. So, Joseph and Mary are now at the temple. They're going in there to do what they need to do. And this stranger walks up and takes the baby out of their arms that odd anybody think like whoa dude what are you doing <laughs> I mean I don't know about you they must have been way more polite back then because like if I, when I had a newborn baby like but the fourth one I'm like here you go like who I don't know you but please hold this child you know but the first one your firstborn the firstborn one that like the angel told you is God you don't just be like here you go he's a football let you pass him to you you pass him on when you're done I know, eventually he'll cry and poop so bad somebody will bring him back to me. I'm not worried about it. Your firstborn, I remember my best friend from high school. I had invited her to be with me when I had my child, and so I got a call from her husband. She had just had a baby. I rush up to the hospital. I sat there for an hour visiting with them. Not one time did they offer me that child to hold. I sat there and watched as they held the child the whole time, and then I left, and I thought, it's their firstborn. I'm not going to even say anything like, hey, you know, it would have been nice. I mean, babies are so cute. They're only little for so long. I did give her a hard time, you know, a couple years later when she had the second one, and she's like, come over here and hold this kid. I'm like, oh, now you want me to hold your child, right? Now you finally want me to. But here we have Mary and Joseph in the temple Stranger walks up and takes the child out of their arms, and then he begins to prophesy. And they marvel at that. They wonder at that. Why do you think they needed to hear that? I don't know about you, but I believe that our human spirits need to be reminded sometimes about the decisions we make. Right? Have you ever read a study And it talks about like the dangers of cigarette smoking. And then you're like, you say to your teenager, see, see, this is why I keep telling you not to smoke. What are you doing? You're reminding them. You're making a decision not to put poison in your body. And every time I see evidence to that effect, I'm going to keep reminding you, right? Now, I'm sure the wives have done this with their husbands, right? Maybe you make a decision, the husband, "Eh." and then you find an article and you send it to them. See, 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 this is the right decision. Mary and Joseph had been told when she first found out she was pregnant that this child was from God, but that was months earlier. That was months before, before this long journey, right? Before, before the struggles and finding out there's no room in the inn and having to sleep in a manger and shelter with horses and cow poop. Has anybody ever smelt cow poop? It's not good. And after this hard struggle, and they finally find themselves in Jerusalem, and they're like, okay, God, I'm doing what you want me to do. Even though this is hard, I'm still making this decision. And here confirmation comes. Here comes Simeon saying, this is the Messiah. I may now die in peace. I have been waiting my whole life to hold your child. See, our human spirit needs to be reminded sometimes that, yes, the right decision is the right decision. I often talk about people like if an angel came down from heaven and said to me, Mary, stop drinking Diet Coke and work out every day or you will die of a heart attack when you're 50. Guess who would stop drinking Diet Coke every day and would work out? I would, because I plan on living to be 100, and 50 is not halfway to my goal. Uh-uh, I don't do anything halfway. Uh-uh. No, I'm going to make it to 100. But because an angel hasn't come and told me that, it's kind of like, oh, one Diet Coke won't hurt me, right? And I'm not saying Diet Coke will hurt you. I'm using this as my personal example of something that I'm my resolution, right? Maybe for you it's Bud Light. Yeah, maybe one Bud Light would hurt you, right? I don't know, right? Everybody's different in what they need and what they don't want to take anymore. But I know that confirmation and encouragement helps you in making that right decision. Let's continue to hear what this was. It says, the father and the mother of the child marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them. Not just the child, I love that. Now let me bless you now. And then he said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Yuck. I don't know about you, but if I had a baby... And somebody walked up to me and said, oh, yeah, this child, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But you're going to feel like you died at the end of it all. There's going to be a sword that's going to pierce your heart. I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I want that. I don't know, right? I don't know if I want that. Like, I want all the good part. I don't want the hard part, right? Right? Like when the angel got done telling me, Mary, stop drinking Diet Coke and work out every day. Oh, and your muscles are going to probably hurt. And it's going to take a lot of time and you won't get as much time on Netflix if you do this. I might be like, oh, me, really? Like, don't tell me the crappy part. But he's asking, will you make the decision even though it's going to cost you something? Right? Doing the right thing when you want to do the bad thing sometimes sucks. Let's just be real. It sometimes does right water doesn't taste as good as the diet coke right or whatever whatever your thing is we can excuse it away we can make up all this rationale of why the question is is will you make the right decision even when it doesn't feel good even when you know it's going to take effort what kind of life will you live while you're here on earth will it be to the full Or will you let Satan come and steal, kill, and destroy? See, when Satan comes and whispers in our ear and talks us out of our good decision into a bad decision, he just stole our resolve, right? He just killed the the blessing that we were going to get if we would have followed the right path. Yeah, I still go to heaven when I die, but I lived hell here on earth because my earthly actions had earthly consequences, Nobody likes that. Like, people will come to me, and they'll be like, why did God let this happen? And I'll be like, why makes you believe that this is a result of God? To me, it sounds like it's probably a result of some earthly decision that was made here. I mean, something as abstract sometimes as cancer. People will be like, why did God let, you know, grandpa get cancer? And I'll be like, okay, first of all, we live on earth where we have free will. You live in Bay City where we have a river that runs down the middle of it. Did you know that the river back in the 60s and 70s didn't even freeze over? Because so many chemicals were put in it by companies that were along the river that it chemically could not freeze. This is actually the Saginaw Valley, this entire area. Everything that gets dumped in the ground all around this valley all eventually trickles down into the Bay City River. If you look on a map, this is one of the hot spots in Michigan of the most cancer in the whole state. I'm like, we can blame God, or we can blame the people that have dumped chemicals into our land. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm trying to be realistic, right? God gives us free will. Well, that means that the person who had free will 100 years ago is now affecting how you live here on this earth today. And you need to be aware of that. What does that mean? It means I don't like to drink tap water at the restaurant. It means I want a bottled water that's been filtered because we live in Bay City, and I don't want to drink their water, Are you kidding me? My goal is to live to be 100. Yes, I'll take the chemicals in the Diet Coke before I drink the tap water. Mm -hmm. I don't know here about my decisions. Maybe I need to keep a bottle of water in my purse, right? Just bring me a glass of ice, and I'll just take half and half there. But do you understand my point? Like, sometimes we blame God for things that were not good decisions that happened before us or around us. Is that fair? No, it's not fair, but it's real, So what do we do with that knowledge, right? How do we live our life when the people around us may be affecting us? How did Mary raise this child that she knew would one day cause her so much pain? How? It goes on. It says, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penia, in the tribe of Asher she was very old and she had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 she had never left the temple but worshiped night and day fasting and praying coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel is not that amazing again they made a decision And in the midst of that hard decision, people were confirming to them, how do we get confirmation about the decisions we make here in life and how we're going to serve the Lord? Come to the church is one of them. This is confirmation. You guys are doing great, right? At least in this decision. You took time out of your whole week. You gave God an hour, right, of your time, unless I go over, but I'm doing pretty good, so I probably won't. You gave God an hour of your time and saying, I believe in you. I believe in the power of prayer. Not only am I praying at home, but I'm going to let Pastor Mary pray a blessing over me while I'm sitting in the presence, right? And you are getting this confirmation that God is real. He does love you. And let's just take a moment to worship him, right? Fill out a card if you want prayer for something. We'll be agreeing with you. They got these people to come to them. What's kind of cool is if you read through the whole story... I mean, first the night that he was being born and they're in the barn, which is not cool. I'm just saying it's a woman who doesn't like animal feces. Ugh. Um, but they had the shepherds come that night, right? Oh, my gosh, these angels came. They're like, that's confirmation besides the, the angels that they already had telling them, right? And then Mary had Elizabeth confirm it. And then now that shepherds have confirmed it. And now, eight, you know, eight days later, so when they go to dedicate him, they've got these prophets confirming it. And then by the time before he's two, we see the kings arriving, and they're confirming it. And we just see confirmation after confirmation after confirmation. If they needed confirmation after confirmation after an angel came to them, what do we need? I probably need more. I probably need more than just a few. I need a lot of confirmations. And that's why we have a church community, right? We call, them the, we call ourselves the family of God. I was just reading... Um, These different articles about what had happened in this one church and I was I was replying to the author and I was just saying You know, we need to stop viewing ourselves as servants when we're at church and instead view ourselves as brothers and sisters There's nobody here that is above or below, right? We're all brothers and sisters. We're all one big family and our father God is in heaven and he loves us. And he sent his son Jesus down so that we could be adopted into his family. And when we come together, we encourage each other. We we confirm to each other what is going on and, and how we can make good decisions together. In many of the different circles, we call that um, like sponsors, right? And some of the different AA or NA and different places like that. But Really, I like to look at it as like a mentorship, right? The Bible tells us, let the older women help the younger women, right? Have the older men help the younger men. What is that? You be a big brother, be a big sister, right? We've got organizations that literally you can sign up to be a big brother, be a big sister. This, those are all biblical basis of, hey, we're, we're all one family, and you can't do it all on your own. You can't do it by yourself. Who do you call in the middle of the week? When your kid has just made the hugest mess ever or the boss at work is is chewing you out, what do you do? You call somebody from your church family that is going to encourage you. Or you pray. Or you read your word. But you do something to help confirm that, no, I am making the right decision. I'm not going to give in on this area or this area. Because whatever action I take is going to have a consequence And I'm going to do what's right even if I don't want to, my body tells me not to, even though this or that might happen. So it says, Anna came up, right? And she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child for all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. I love that it takes a moment right in that moment to tell us that. When you make a decision, it grows. Whatever that product is, it grows, right? And if you continue to be cons- <laughs> excuse me, consistent with it, it will become stronger all of a sudden this new habit this new decision becomes stronger than my old habit right I've known people who have quit smoking and they'll tell me "Oh, the first week was horrible right the first month was bad the first year was bad by the second year I wasn't thinking about it as much and finally by the third fourth fifth year I can be in a room where somebody else is smoking I don't have that urge anymore what happened their resolve became stronger the longer it went when you have a baby, that baby can't take the trash out. If anything, all that baby's doing is making you more, more diapers, more dirty diapers. And by the time that baby's five, you know, maybe they can go around and dump all the little, the little uh, you know, your, your bathroom trashes. They're smaller. But by the time that kid is ten, it's like you get that trash out of the kitchen, boy. Go put it out there. Hurry up. The truck is coming, Right see the bigger a decision goes the bigger this thing happens the stronger it gets and the more able it is so all of a sudden when these big life things are happening it's like what do you want to drink give me a glass of water and everybody at the table knows don't order anything but water she won't drink anything other than water right but we have to start somewhere you have to start somewhere with a decision I love this here in Revelations. It doesn't quite, excuse me, <coughs> apply um, with what with what was going on there. These were different um, visions that John was having about the days to come. But I love this picture in your head here. It's it's Revelations chapter three verse twenty, where Jesus is talking to the church in Laconia. And the angel of the Lord says says that Jesus will be standing there, right? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens it, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. I love that vision of what he was telling them was going to be happening for this church. Because as believers, he is doing this for all of us. We often think that I have to chase down God. No, he's already, he's already standing at your door knocking. He's already there. You don't have to go chase him down. You can come find a place where you can be encouraged. But you don't have to go anywhere other than right here to find him. You can be in your bathroom sitting on the toilet and be talking to God. Just being real. You can be at work. Right? You can be in a meeting that is the hardest day of your life. And you can just take a minute, close your eyes, and say, Lord better help me. He's saying, look, I stand at the door of your heart, and I'm knocking. Will you let me in? But I love how it says, I will eat with you. I will eat with you. We often think that our bodies are what needs food, but it's our spirit and our soul that feeds on God as well, right? When Jesus went off into his ministry he fasted for 40 days and Satan came and tempted him and the first temptation was the physical food right where Satan says you are you, God you can do anything turn those rocks into bread and eat I know you're hungry and Jesus replied back to Satan and says man shall not live on bread alone but out of every word out of the mouth of God what is he saying he's saying I need more than just physical food for my body I eat God's word and so Jesus saying, I'm standing at your door knocking, and I will come and eat with you. What is he saying? I will give my word to you. Let's consume it together. A lot of times people will say to me, they're like, Mary, I read the Bible, and it doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, next time read it with God. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to read this with a new set of eyes. Pastor Mary says I should start in the book of Mark. So today I'm going to read one chapter out of the book of Mark. Help me. Help me understand this. I believe that if I accept you, Jesus, that you're living in my heart. So give me wisdom here. Just like Jesus grew in wisdom, give me some wisdom. It's funny because people will be like, I was reading this and I had this thought. What do you think about this? And I'll be thinking, like, do you really think that was your thought? Like you just, all of a sudden you became this theologian and you just had this extraordinary thought? Or do you think maybe God was with you and a little angel or the Holy Spirit or Jesus that lives in your heart was like, blah, 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 blah. But we think these thoughts are ours, right? And then when we have bad thoughts, we feel shame. Why did I think that? You think these thoughts are yours? Maybe that was Satan trying to tempt you. When your thought comes, you can make a decision of to either accept it and embrace it or to let it go. Some of you need to start letting go of some thoughts that you have because they're not good for you. And some of you need to start embracing the good thoughts. I love how one person put it. They're like, you know, Satan tempts us to sin, but God tempts us to do good. And some of us dim- dismiss the, the temptation to do good just as much as we dismiss the temptation to do bad. That was like eye-opening for me. How many times am I tempted to do good? And I don't always grab that opportunity. I try to do better now that I've right, had that revelation. But how many times this week will you have a decision before you? Who will you serve? Will you serve worry? Will you serve doubt? Will you serve you know, yourself? Or will you serve God? And you will make decisions this week that you don't really want to do but because you know it's right and what God wants you to do. My prayer for you is that you live heaven on earth. That's what we're supposed to be praying every day. When the disciples went to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray, he says, pray this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the power and the glory and the power of heaven. Amen. Right? I love the part, though, where it says, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What am I supposed to pray? Lord, can I please have heaven on earth? Please, Lord, give me heaven on earth. Okay, Mary, make some better decisions. Oh, I don't want to do that. I just want you to, like, change everybody else's free will and my free will, so I'm living heaven on earth. Okay, Mary, well, you want to get out of debt? Why don't you not spend money on this and save up some money here? No, I just want heaven on earth. Okay, Mary, well, okay. right, it's kind of like our kids, right? I mean, Daddy, I want this. Okay, we got to do that to get that. I don't want to do that. I just want this. Good luck on that. (laughs) Thankfully, he still loves us, right, no matter what our decisions are. But I'm asking you this week, and as we go into this new year, what decisions do you need to change? Think about it. I always write them down. You can ask my husband. I literally spent yesterday all day in bed writing down some decisions and putting them and posting them in places that I'll see it to remind myself. One of the sticky notes I had filled out, and then I decided to do something different, so I kind of discarded it, ended up on the side of my little, um, I don't know, it's like a jar that I have some pens in right next to my thing. I literally woke up this morning, I looked over, and it said, No Coke Zero. And I was like, Really? I was not going to post it right there because that's usually the first thing I do when I get up in the morning. So my daughter runs in and I'm like, oh honey, can you go grab me? She's like, I know, a Coke Zero. I said, no, can you get me a glass of water? And she gave me the weirdest look and she went and got me a glass of water. But I just thought it was funny that that little sticky note, when I was moving everything out of bed last night to go to bed ended up right there. Can I pray for all of you? Father God, we thank you for this new year. We thank you that as we go into this new year that we will live healthy happy lives. And for some of that us, that means that we need to make healthy decisions so the consequences of what we put in our mouth or, or what we do with our bodies will continue to bring us good health throughout this year. Help all of us be tempted to eat better and to make good decisions with our body this year. For some of us, Father God, we really do need help with our finances and getting out of debt or or saving up And so when you tempt us to make good decisions with our money, we pray, Father God, that we will choose to do what is right. And for some of us, we need help with our relationships. And as we go into 2022, Father God, we pray that we will make the decisions that will affect the people around us and ourselves and who we interact with. We ask for your help. Father God, in any single area of our lives, whether it's financial, relationship, physical, Father God, sometimes times it's easier to do what we did last year, but we want a different result this year. So please help us, because we can't do it by our own power. If we could have done it by our own power, we would have done it last year, and we didn't. So help us in 2022. Tempt us to do what is right. Give us the wisdom to know that it is you calling us to make better decisions, and help us to follow through with that so we can experience heaven on earth while we are here. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that knowing Jesus makes sure that we will die well and we will be in heaven when we die. But help us to make good decisions so that we live well and we can have heaven here on earth. We trust you and we ask you for your help because when we know and we ask in the name of Jesus that you hear our prayer and that you will be with us. So bless us, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week, a wonderful day. The Blessing Shop is open downstairs. And we will be here next Sunday at 10 o'clock. And the ladies' ministry will have their Bible study this Wednesday at 11. God bless.